Hey, it's Chase from On The Table Gaming, and welcome back to our third recap of the Visions in the Flames articles from Simon Games. I want to welcome back on uh, Michael Chanel, the game designer and the lead developer, Fabio Curry. So thanks, guys, for coming on. I'm excited to talk about your latest article, uh, Durability and Effectiveness in 2021. might be the most exciting one yet. This is going to be the most exciting one if you like hearing much of technical talk and math. But if that's right up your alley, you're going to really love this one. It's the one that has me the most excited. Viewership just drops off right now on the analytics. <laughs> so you're talking about math here, but we're going to make it a little more excited, right? Because we're talking about you know effectiveness. We're talking about how it relates to units. And in this article, when you're kind of previewing and giving examples of the, the big picture changes that are coming to, I guess, as you're calling it, math in A Song of Ice and Fire, um, you give us some, some units to work with to kind of explain this. Uh, and so in your article, you show us the, uh, the preview, the 2021 Lannister Guardsmen, the Bloody Mummer Skirmishers, the Lannister Pyromancers. And the stag knights, no, no free folk. I'm noting, so shame on you. But how can we, how can we go through and see kind of the examples of what might be coming to the game as embodied in these these sample units here? Well, I think the answer is very clear that we didn't talk about free folk because we were talking about of combat effectiveness, and those two words don't <laughs> mesh together when we're talking about free folk. That's that's sadly true. <laughs> but, well, I'm only partially kidding when I say that because that is. One of the design philosophies looking at like the free folk is that you're kind of meant to have a whole army full of just a bunch of individually trash units that are greater than the sum of their parts. But that's almost entirely different topic that I know, Chase, you would love to talk about because it's free folk, but we have some other important things to actually talk about here. That could have been worded a little better, but I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> ow, ow. Free folk players everywhere. Drop it off here. So um, one of the big things you focus on in your article is this idea of combat effectiveness. So you know, what do you mean by combat effectiveness and how are you changing this and, and why are you changing this? I think that as the game progressed, we always try to do something new and flashy. And it's always easy to just tweak in better numbers. And eventually that did snowball a little bit more than what we expected to happen. I think this is a really good moment for us to modulate everything and keep everything in check. So what we did is go back to our original philosophy that was kept throughout all of development throughout all these three years since the game has been released, but sometimes might have passed through our fingers, which is units should be able to take two or three blows and still remain effective in combat. And that is actually uh, factored in a number of ways. And we were having a lot of, uh, like the article says, one-shot hits that were happening. And that didn't really mean that the unit was being destroyed completely in one hit, but they were reduced to their last rank or made technically incapable of performing in the battlefield which forced your opponent to do serious mitigations such as like large amounts of healing. And that was pushing the game into a position where we didn't want it to be, right? Um, it's, you should think and strategize and you should not have a mindset of if I alpha strike with my cavalry, I will definitely win the game. So I need initiative on the round in which things are engaging. This actually plays back into like one of the uh, core designs for the original system 
which was the uh, the rank system. You know, each unit has well, cavalry have two, some have one, but on average, most infantry are going to have three ranks, and that's kind of where the game is based around is this rank system. And it was one of those areas that was unique to you know the game and how it was implemented, but it wasn't fully. I guess at the time, you know, we didn't realize we didn't realize it as well as we wanted. And by that, I mean that currently units are kind of either effective or they're not. That's not always the case here, but it is true for a large majority of things. And that's where you get that kind of uh, one uh, one shot uh, term where we're not specifically talking about unit just being reduced down to being dead. It's about being reduced down to a level where they are no longer impacting the game outside a certain threshold. And that's usually what happens when a unit is like hit down to their bottom rank. You almost don't have to worry about them anymore because their full capabilities are just very minor, very, you know, there's no real impact there. And that should not be the case. Like a unit being at full ranks, a unit being at secondary rank, a unit being at its last rank, those are all stages of a unit's overall lifespan that should mean something. There should be something that it means to that transition. And so basically kind of smoothing that curve out to make it so they were not quite as impactful at the top end, but also not quite as well dead at the lower end. So making it like, okay, there are meaningful like repercussions for these units being at all these stages, but it's not just so simple as like, oh, they're really strong and they're really powerful, or they're not. It needs to be more of a actual like slope rather than just a sharp drop off. Is there a part of this at all also of like just slowing down the game then? Well, we noticed through playtest and just information gathering that the game wasn't actually being slowed down that much. Like the total game time is still consistent with um, previous iterations. And I'd say the number of rounds might have been uh, stretched a little bit. So usually games were ending around round four. And now they tend to go to round five or six um, in the same game time. So we're uh, not even concerned. We're actually very happy that this happened because it, it makes players have more moments to take, uh, take decisions. At another point here in your article, you talk about the uh, cost to effectiveness ratios. And you're talking a lot about you know, four plus to hit being baseline versus like three plus to baseline being elite. So is that kind of the, the, your current like, definition of elite, like having those increased to hit profiles? Well, so the, the numbers there are not like a static like definition, okay? That just is basically about what to expect. You know, a four plus to hit should be viewed as average. But if you look at like the current units spread across the board, it actually leans more toward the three plus. And we're basically scaling that back a little bit, which in turn, you know, shuts down the amount of damage because you're removing a 16% chance to hit for most units. So moving from a three plus to a four plus is a big deal. And it, by that one change. Okay, so this is where we're going to get into like talking about kind of like those snowball effects where, you know, I've got my small pebble. I'm going to throw it down the hill. I just threw a pebble. But by the time it reaches the bottom, now we've got this big, massive snowball. That's kind of like what we're happening here, where we have a bunch of individual small changes that are adding up to a greater sum. So let's go over like three like kind of examples here. One, by reducing the top end amount of dice that a unit is potentially capable of rolling, uh, one thing that players will see much more when these updates roll out, that effects that give bonus attack dice, just raw extra dice, are a very big rarity. Those have been severely cut. At the very baseline way of looking at things, extra dice can directly translate into additional wounds. By limiting the amount of extra dice, 
you're therefore limiting the amount of extra wounds that any single attack or instance of damage can cause. You know, if I'm rolling 12 dice, that's a potential for 12 wounds. If my cap is only rolling eight dice, then my potential cap is only eight, which means that I can no longer like completely remove a unit from existing. So mm -hmm. those type of effects, by just cutting down the number of attack dice, that already creates a uh, the effect of you know things lasting longer, things being less damaging, less deadly. Combine that now with a modified to hit value. So if the average moves from a three plus to a four plus, you're changing things from hitting 66% of the time to 50% of the time. That shift there is also lowering the average medium amount of hits that are coming across on all of your attacks. It's also having the effect of making armor more impactful. So now a three plus save, because there's less damage coming through, each of those saves now weighs even more. So again, it's all these little things that are adding up. And we could talk for probably you know, a couple hours just over the those minutia differences and the overarching effects they have. But just to give some insight and some examples, that's the type of thing that we're looking at uh, when it comes to talking about these type of changes and damage mitigation and kind of scaling things back a little bit. So then for the sample unit you give in the form of the Lannister Guardsmen, where we're seeing uh, a shift in their Lannister supremacy, and while a lot of their other stats say the same, except for maybe their their last rank going up a damage, uh, going up a die, they're actually going to be kind of changed a lot then in this new in this new 2020 update. In that that three plus defense is going to be even more significant. Um, yeah, definitely. And I'd like to say that, um, like we said, 16% chance for you to hit uh, an increase in 16% is supposed to mean a lot. So now it will mean a lot when you do add an attachment or, or if you do add, use a tactics card that will increase um, your to-hit value or will better your to-hit value. So um, the Lannister Guardsmen, I think they're the best example in all the changes we made to explain what's going on. So first of all, lots of units will be playing more off ranks, such as the Lannister Guardsmen and their Lannister Supremacy ability. Because once again, ranks are a really cool element of the game and we were under exploring it. And uh, also with this change, it means that the Lannister Guardsmen are not really stuck to one attachment. They can play in, in, in themselves, right? And they synergize with themselves. So that also avoids kind of those wombo combo lists that um, start getting a little bit unhealthy to just the general meta i don't really like to say that word but there it is <laughs> the increase in their last rank kind of goes with the philosophy that units in their last rank should still do something and once again with their current lannister supremacy they still needed a specific attachment and now with the new one um even with one rank they're still obtaining um some sort of benefit right that one rank is still meaning something, even though they are in their last rank, not just with the attack die increase, but with how Lannister supremacy works. Something else that is important to mention here is the change of Lannister supremacy from being just a passive effect to an order. While that might just seem like a general, like a lot of people will view that and just be like, oh, these guys are just getting nerfed. But it's actually more to it than that. And again, this is where we're getting into those subtle like nuances of these changes is because this effect is tied off of your ranks. Now it's just something like, okay, choosing when to trigger this becomes an actual tactical choice. If I get attacked early in the rounds and I foresee that might be the only attack coming in, of course I'm going to trigger Lannister Supremacy. 
but if I'm potentially like you know holding up multiple units or whatnot, I might want to heal these guys up, knowing that that three plus defense is gonna carry me through an attack or some other effect, and give me the ability to trigger uh, a, a stronger Lannister supremacy when I eventually do trigger it. Again, playing into the ranks. And if you're expecting your opponent to do a one-two punch where he goes in with a heavy unit and then after that comes in with light, cheaper units, you can hold your Lannister supremacy to be more impactful in that second punch where that cheaper unit is probably going to have worse morale and is going to suffer more uh, because of it. Man, it's just cool too, because now there's a, there's like another strategic layer where now you have an incentive to keep this unit healed up. And there may be times you're choosing to forgo other units to boost this one up so that you can get that, that rank bonus factoring into your Lannister supremacy. I just love these additional choice points that you're working in. And although they already existed previously, I'd say that now we increased the nuance, which is, um, in my opinion, just something great. It brings more depth to the game, and we really hope that players agree. And another thing I just want to see if I can weasel out of you here is that so this is a core unit. Like this is a core, a core unit that's like central to the faction's identity, like their basic unit, and it's not a complete revamp. But I would say this is actually a pretty significant change, and for the better. Does this mean that we might see? other factions have their core units revisited as well or is this kind of just like i noticed there's two examples of lannisters here is it just that there's like a, a little bit more love going to the lannisters in this update well so as we mentioned previously every single aspect of the game was evaluated and looked at every single unit every single attachment every tactics card every ncu everything and you know we, we spoke about before about the amount of changes and level of changes that happen and I know that over the last um, you know week or two, people have been going, you know, it's like, oh well, you know, 80% are staying the same, 20% are changing, and they're quoting me directly when they say that. But I want to clarify something on there. When we say that 80% of the units are staying the same and like around 20% are changing, that's in specific regards to like, let's say, complete overhaul or redesigns into like the level of like the stagnites, which we'll get and talk to. Everything had its numbers looked at. And again, if 80% stayed the same when we were talking about this, then these changes that we're talking about here in combat effectiveness and durability and things, that's the type of thing that we're talking about that falls under that 80% of like, oh, wow. Lannister, like Lannister Guardsmen here, like they're still the same unit. You know, they're still the same role, the same function. They still have Lannister supremacy, but they've all been tweaked. Those are the type of things to expect to like to see across things has been basically a bunch of math, you know, balances and changes. Like most things, for example, that had a eight attack die profile at max ranks. Most of those have been reduced down to a seven. Uh, we spoiled the Greyjoys, you know, over the last two weeks. And you've seen their combat units. You'll see that their attack die thresholds are, you know, marked lower than existing factions. There's no units that are showed that showed up across any of the ones that we've spoiled so far that have above a seven attack die. And you'll see most of their average uh, on lower ranks falls down to you know a four attack die. So you know, those type of things are spread across most units. When we were saying that 80-20 split, I just want to clarify on that, that what we're referring to is the specifically the amount of things that would receive like what I would say drastic overhauls. And by that is things that we had to completely redesign because they just didn't fit with the current design philosophies that we had, or their math just didn't really allow them to make that transition. And actually, a good example of that would be talking about the Bloody Mummer skirmishers that um, you know were changed. Like These guys have, are one example of something that has been overhauled in a way that has kept with the core identity of what we wanted them to do, 
but now does it in a in a way that works with the new philosophies and balanced changes that we have we moved across. And these look fantastic as well. And you can still see the echoes of of the uh, the elements of four. So this is in that like eighty percent still, or is this a revamp? I would consider these guys in that twenty percent of like these guys changed okay. fairly. They, dra- at least, yeah, they these got- kind of like stra- straddling the line there, you know, honestly to me. So like if we analyze this unit here, so we have a six point unit, and this is. Basically, if you're looking at unit points and thresholds, you kind of have a threshold of like between four and six points are going to expect to function in a certain way. And then seven and eight and then more expensive units should kind of like that's that's I don't want to make a sweeping statement of like that's the, the kind of the divide line between a basic unit and a more like kind of elite unit. But that's kind of like the way the math works out because when you start factoring in attachments, because now like when you're comparing a seven point unit. You're having to compare that to directly against a five or six point unit with an attachment. And in an ideal world, those levels should balance about out. It shouldn't just be like, well, a five point unit with a two point attachment is better in all cases than a seven point unit or a naked seven point unit is just straight up better. It should be an active choice about what you want that unit to fulfill. And so six point units tended to kind of be a a one of those areas that they swung in very pivoting directions where they're either basically a strong five-point unit or they were a weak seven-point unit because mm-hmm. six was a very strange threshold where you know that's when attachments had to start factoring in and really had to start carrying their weight. And attachments are a whole nother conversation to have because we're really focusing on units here because, again, otherwise this conversation can go for four-plus hours. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I'm still like reeling from your comment that that 80, 20, that things like the Lannister Guardsmen are still in the 80%. I'm just like, my mind, I'm just like spinning. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, this is so crazy. Okay, sorry. The, uh, number, <laughs> of, the number of things that I really feel fall under that 20%, weirdly enough, would be like one out of five. Uh, but it's a, rare, it's, it's, it's a rarity to see. Most things, like again, there are very few cases of things that I feel were overhauled in such a way that they're unrecognizable from their previous version. It's mainly mm-hmm. just we might have had to tweak or move abilities around to make them function in the the new dynamic that we wanted. And I, I'm going to go back to the Bloody Mummer skirmishers here, talking about their abilities and how they function, but also a bit just looking at their stats. So you have, let's start with their defensive stats. You've got a 5 plus defense and a 7 plus morale. 7 plus is on the weak end of what you should be seeing in average morale, and 5 plus defense is below average. 4 is, of course, going to be your kind of mainline average. But they're making up for that with their speed, with having a, a speed of 6, which in the new dynamics of moving around, getting off your charges, which have now become more important because of your lower to hit ratios and things like that, that actually matters much more than it did before. Well, not much more, but enough to to bring it up. Their attack mm-hmm. profile, meanwhile, if you look at this here, this is a very standard attack profile. It's a 4+, plus, 7 dice, to 5 dice, to 4 dice at the last rank. That's a very standard attack profile. So while the dice do matter, you know the abilities and such are going to play such a bigger part into you know changing the dynamics of this. You know, by, by lowering the end curves from like 8 and 3, it does crunch the numbers a little bit, but that just means that like the other effects that play off of ranks and everything are so much more important. These guys, unlike the Lancer Guards, don't really care so much for ranks, but you have to look at everything else they do. So like they have Agile, which is conferring a minus one to hit when you're attacking the unit. So all of a sudden, that five plus defense, you know, yes, if they get hit, they're probably going to take the damage. 
but by reducing something, you know, the average to hit when your average is a four plus, <laughs> yeah. you're reducing that to a five plus. And then you factor in their counter strike ability, which is each time they're missed, the attacker suffers a hit. So you can see here, right, so their damage is not coming from their attack. Their damage is coming from the opponent trying to, you know, attack them and getting struck back. This is a disruption unit. You don't take these guys because you want raw offense. You take this because you want to throw them into a threat and now say, okay, deal with them. And then a final bit of this, you factor in their Mummer's Blades, which has the ability to throw out weekend, which synergizes with Every single thing I just mentioned here, mm -hmm. you're minus one to hit, you're weakened, you're suffering damage for each, you know, miss. So people go like, man, I really don't want to attack these guys. And that's exactly the point. These guys are not necessarily going to kill you, but they're going to harass you. And that's their role. So, you know, you can sit there and say, like, well, I'm just not going to attack these guys. Okay, congrats. Then that's exactly what a, a guy who is playing Bloody Mum or Skirmishers should want to happen. You take these guys, you throw them into like whatever the biggest threat is against your army, and you go, okay, either run away from these guys or stay in here and deal with them. But if you want something that's meant to go and kill guys, that's not what these guys are. This is a harassment unit. This is a control piece. And like Michael said, they dish out weakened, but we also have to factor in uh, charge bonuses and condition tokens that are um, from outside of this unit and that enemy players might put, such as charging, obviously, and placing vulnerable tokens on them. So um, there's still a lot of counterplay to this. It's not as if once you have engaged, they're never going to be attacked. It just means your opponent needs to think if he should attack them, and if so, how he will execute that attack. So there are a lot of ways to mitigate everything that they have. Once again, they're a six-point unit. And that's what makes it tricky to balance them. But at the same time, they should be in this point range because of list building and other factors that also weigh in in the decision-making of how a unit should be. And it's cool because then it's, it's actually more... It's a lot more tactical value and you're getting people thinking about how they're playing the game and how they're going to engage these units. I mean, I think just, just these changes are really, really cool. This unit seems like a little bit more like self-encompassing too. Like it, 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 uh, it has its own synergies built in. I guess, it, I guess it did before too, but it just feels like with the Agile, I think that's just such a huge uh, keyword. So this kind of plays into one of the philosophies here that, and you actually saw this previously at the Lannister Guardsmen, is that when it comes to outside influences, tactics cards, NCUs, attachments specifically, they should be there to enhance units. Units should not necessarily have to click or work based on an outside piece. So at Lannister Guardsmen, you know, they were a nice little design, but everyone, you know, they were essentially a six-point unit because you would always throw a guard captain in with them to make sure that they worked. And that's not healthy because it's effectively like... Again, it's making that unit a six-point unit. It's also limiting, like, you know, what potential options you as a list builder and player have to work with them. Because there's a clear component here that is the thing that you set in them that makes them just click all that much better. And that was another element that, you know, we wanted to just kind of remove, where, you know, units didn't need some outside influence to function in the role that they were taking. They might be enhanced by that addition, but it wouldn't be mandatory. So, again, going back to the Lannister Guardsmen, there are, frankly, all of the new... Uh, the, the the new and revamped Lannister attachments, any of them could go in the Guardsmen, and you're going to get um, additional role benefits. Some of them are, of course, going to be better than others, but honestly, like I can think of four out of the 
seven or eight. I don't want to quote like the, the generic attachments that are available to them right now. Uh, at least half of them are ones that like I immediately go like, well, yes, I want to put this one, this one, this one, and this one. And then you have a couple that fall into the whole situational, depending on list building area. And then you have a couple that are like, nah, I wouldn't put them in there. But I mean, that's how these things should go. Now, when it comes to the neutral things, uh, we haven't spoken about this yet because now we're looking into some even further spoilers for potential future articles that we'll get into. But uh, when it comes to the neutrals, they have a very distinct focus on their commanders. When we started reevaluating those, uh, their commanders and the units that they synergize with more so than any of the other factions play off of each other. So like a, a bloody mummer army with Vargo Holt is going to be a much deadlier force than any other army with bloody mummers kind of, you know, cycled in there. Man, I really want to, I want to, I want to take that further, but I'm assuming it's a future article we could discuss. Um, I know there's been so many questions about like what is in store for the neutrals in the future, but you know, I think we'll have to leave it with your teaser there. And there was like the, the Lancer pyromancers. How does this kind of fit in with the design? Um, you're kind of like re-envisioning of the design for the 2021 update. Well, so the pyromancers, to be honest, were a pretty simple fix. <laughs> if you could say that, um, we didn't change them that much. And we actually kind of, um, uh, reinforce them into the role that they are, which is mostly panic damage and direct wounds. So what makes um, them noticeable and why we chose them in, in this article was exactly to show the, the type of overhaul that is going on. So the Lannister Guardsmen do seem like they suffered big changes, but the Pyromancers are one that suffered little amounts of change. And once again, they're a seven-point unit, so they're past that threshold where they start becoming either a very specific unit or an elite key piece of your army. And in their case, they are more of a specific kind of glass cannon unit. So I'd say that just by the addition of Horrific Visage, I don't, I, to be honest, I can't even remember if they suffered other changes, maybe in uh, better morale. But they it, gained it, one better morale, and it was basically refinement on the wildfire. But that's the main changes that happened, and this kind of falls into the realm of just refinement. Like this, this is where I would just to say back in that whole eighty percent we we're talking before. This unit received a refinement pass into its role, rather than like any type of like sweeping changes. Yeah, this is the best example for an eighty percent for that eighty percent category. And then we've already seen the stagnites. Oh my gosh, these guys are fantastic. Cool to see uh, some some different approaches here. So we're seeing it's really focusing on the amount of ranks. And so it, just to be clear, it sounds like what you're saying is that going forward, we're going to see a lot of more a lot more things interplaying with the the number of ranks in your units. That's going to be kind of a core piece as it was always in the game, but now it's something maybe you're kind of re-envisioning or, or doubling down on more as a theme. I think it's something that we hit the mark when we did the game modes. Um, where controlling objectives depended on ranks and we saw how that was very well received and then we felt like huh uh, this is something that we should explore more and it it unfortunately isn't being explored let's try to add that into the game where feasible obviously we're not going to try to push an agenda just because we think it might be cool it has to make sense with the unit and the ability uh, and so forth and funnily enough, the Stagnites were ones that used to depend on ranks, and now they don't. We, we changed them a lot. <laughs> they're, they're in the 
the, the unit that was overhauled, it's still an eight point unit, so it does deserve its three plus and its seven attack die with no decay on ranks, uh, which it technically is uh, playing on ranks. If they don't have decay, that's already a part of the rank play. But mm. we we decided what was their role? They're supposed to be uh, sort of dualist units, right? They're they're supposed to find your opponent's champions and lock them down and make it really really hard to get out of there. So with, when by adding the order resilience, we we made them very tanky, but only through one attack. So therefore, if your opponent can gang up on them, they're still pretty vulnerable because they have an average defense and at eight points. Having an average defense is not that great, but they they make <laughs> up for it in in other parts. And sort of, you as a Baratheon player want to keep this unit alive, and it will if you just keep them on one on one against opponents because they're very hard to punch through because of their order resilience. But the longer the game progresses, they start showing their worth, and you start noticing where your points were actually spent which is in their Stag's Fury ability, which grants cumulative effects based on game rounds, and then they become amazing. So if you can manage to keep them alive long enough, because usually they are going after high-value targets, so they're also putting themselves in a lot of danger. If they do survive, then they they will start punching up. And an 8-point unit that punches up is scary. When I say punching up, I mean punching higher tier units that cost more points. Above their weight, yeah. This is essentially getting into the realm where when you start investing this much uh, resources and points into units, it needs to be something impactful. And Stagnites are one of those, like when you see them on the table, they need to have a commanding presence in the army. It can't just be another like, oh yeah, he's taking some Stagnites. That needs to be like, ah, damn it, he is taking Stagnites. How am I going to deal with these? And you should have an answer, whether that answer is, you know, like, okay, well, I've got these tactics available to me. I've got these units that I can deal with. But there should not be a situation uh, where you can just go, yeah, okay, I'm just going to take, like, you know, my bolt and cutthroat, slam them into them, deal them much damage, and then they're dead. Whatever. I don't care. You know, that should not be... <laughs> the answer shouldn't be that simple. You know, it should be like, okay, this is a legitimate threat here. How am I going to deal with this? And how am I going to tactically work my way around this? If that answer is throw two units of Bolton Cutthroats at it, sure, by all means. You know, the, you've spent basically 10 points to make that work and you spent two units on this. That's a fine tactic, but it should never, your answer should never boil down to just throw some dice at it to make the problem go away, unless it's a lot of dice. <laughs> well, I'd like also like to add that before you could deal with high point cost units by just chucking fodder at them. And now uh, I think also the Stagnites represent a good example of this not being necessarily always a good idea. If you just throw cheap units at them one by one, expecting them to just stay engaged, um, it might not work that well for you because if they do stay engaged throughout the whole game and they last till the end, then they're suddenly very scary once again. But if we want to zoom out and just look once more, just big picture, what's the summation of like all these changes? What does this mean for the game? So we talked a little bit about how it like it maybe... It doesn't slow down the game, but it does. Uh, like it's still, you know, same amount of play time, but maybe it's not like people are getting wiped off the table at like round four. Maybe it plays out a bit longer. So, like, how do you see the overarching trend for the game changing because of these 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 changes here? And like, why you know why should people be excited about this? Well, I'd say first of all, 
that this helps people play into the game mode and not try to always win by wipeout. It's still an option, but if you play your points, you'll probably make it there more efficiently. So that's always good. I'd also, I also think that this is supposed to give list building options. And once again, w- once we find these like small wombo combos like Guardsman and Guard Captain, which are just stuck together with glue, and, and you can't really have other options, that's a problem. So I'd say that we, through these changes, we've opened a wide array of new list building options that were supposed to be there, but were, weren't being chosen. Mm-hmm. For me, one of the overarching things here is just the idea of being able to use the cool stuff that you brought to the table more. Because what you don't want to really have happen is like, oh man, I really like this unit, it's really cool, and it's dead. Now, the tempo and flow of the game is, because of these like changes and, and general reductions, uh, change things more toward giant waves crashing against each other, trying to just completely like just consume and swallow one another, to you know, basically more of that back and forth where, okay, you're going to attack my unit, you're going to hit it, and it's going to really devastate my unit, but I'm still in the fight. Now I've got choices. Do I swing back with my unit and just like throw caution to the wind, like trying to reduce yours down because I'm trying to set up a future play to reduce yours down? Do I invest the resources to restore my unit back up to keep it in the fight because I need it? Because maybe it's sitting in an objective or maybe, you know, I need to get those ranks back to get some other bonus, you know, the answer shouldn't just always be, okay, what can I do to potentially cause the most amount of damage at any point? There should be different options to how I'm going to approach problems. The answer shouldn't just be kill it before it kills me. It should, you know, granted that should always be like a potential, but it should be much more of a dynamic choice of maybe that's not always the best thing to do. And if I devote these resources here, I'm giving up something somewhere else. So you're like, okay, I can take the, like, if I'm going first, I can take the combat zone. I can get that free attack in. And then my opponent, you know, I could potentially, like, next activation, I can activate a com- that same combat unit to try to double tap down a unit and take it out. But the choice that happens in between that with my opponent to be like, okay, well, do I activate that unit to get them an attack in before they get killed? Do I heal them up? Do I do something completely different? Do I, you know, make, do I maneuver another unit knowing that he's going to have to take them down because this is his window? You know, those are all choices that should be factoring in, not just, can I kill this thing? Oh, I didn't kill this thing. What's the next thing I can do to make sure it's dead? Um, on top of that, I'd like to say that also now healing, like trickle healing, where you heal in small amounts throughout the game, is more impactful because of all these re- damage reductions and playing off ranks. So now I'd say that players that want to use armies that heal a lot, they don't necessarily have to big, get those big healing bombs like Tycho, and it's still going to be effective because people were um, crashing waves, like Michael said. I really love that analogy. Um, and, and banking on large amounts of healing to get a game-changing moment. And if every round... Every turn is a game-changing moment. It, it makes it really unreliable, and that can be frustrating. So it's adding a little bit more like predictability in? I wouldn't say predictability because there's always what your opponent can do. Mm-hmm. But I'd say players have more control over executing their battle plans. And so that makes it, you know, it adds more tactical layers then, right? It's like 
yeah it's like it's a kind of moving towards like a chess style but without like the absolute certainties of chess right we still have that like fun wargaming part but you're at kind of introducing more opportunities for strategy combos it seems like it's really opening it up for like more skillful play while not losing the things that makes it so accessible. Well, I wouldn't really compare it to chess in this case, because once again, there's a lot of hidden information and randomness. So um, nothing is ever 100% clear. And I still believe that a computer will not play a Song of Ice and Fire as well. Right. As yeah. <laughs> That's a bad. I sorry. I watched the Queen Gambit, Queen's Gambit recently, so maybe I'm in chess mode. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that's really exciting about this is that these are just like previews, and I, I feel bad. Maybe you know, I've been a little bit shell shocked this entire recording as I starts to realize, you know, um, how how so much is changing, and yet at the same time, like you know, the, so much is remaining the same. But it's you know that those changes to Lannister Guardsmen are really cool. And just my, I'm just thinking about, you know, man, how a small change like that can really change the way you approach the game in general and what that might look like now for many of the other units that you may touch or change in slight small ways that still might be like really impactful overall. And so just like going through like all these different combinations in my head of like, oh my gosh, what could this mean? Now we're in that anticipation zone where it's like, what's, what's coming next? What other, what other teases do you got? So, you know, I'm excited to have you guys on next week. And, uh, you know, any uh, diabolical messages or clues here as we uh, as we head off? Um, I'd actually want to say that once people actually start playing with these new changes there, they might be uh, underwhelmed by how little has changed. Um, hopefully the game is still the same in all ways. And the, the units you pick because of whatever reason, you're still going to pick them because of the same reasons. Um, and when, once you execute them, you'll just feel that the game is cleaner and hopefully you won't even remember what they did before. <laughs> no problem there. I'll forget those rules. I forget rules all the time. So <laughs> honestly, that would be like the biggest sign of a success if we can make it so after people just begin playing this that they can't even remember how things used to be. Oh, we'll see. We'll see how our collective memories are when this when this finally comes out. Um, thank you guys so much for coming on here just to shed some insight. I'm looking forward to the next week talk and uh, the article then. And for those of you guys listening, thanks so much for tuning in. And uh, in the meantime, hope you get your miniatures on the table. <laughs>